Welcome to the Pat Life Podcast. As always, I am Patrick. And today we have a special guest. We're going to be going into some very interesting conversation, very interesting topics. Um, it's going to be a little bit more uh, in that esoteric mythology. It's going to be in, a, in the ballpark of us really trying to make sense of ultimately this world that we live in, the people that run the show, how they see the world, how they perceive it. And it's important because in order to understand ourselves and understand who we are, it's also understanding that uh, the people who just run this place, uh, they have a viewpoint and they're basing all their decisions, everything off of that. Um, some of the greatest minds, some of the, the higher minds in the past uh, thought this way. They spoke about it. Uh, Steiner, which we will talk about today, but our guest has written books about this. He's had many a conversation on his own shows, which I'm going to let him talk about. Um, but today we are honored to have on our guest, Mr. Wayne McCroy. Man, what's going on? Hey, man, thanks for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure meeting new people and uh, getting uh, out there on different platforms to uh, reach a broader audience. Uh, that's what it's all about at this point in the game, uh, because it's very important we have these types of conversations and things because uh, the world we're living in, <laughs> it's, it's a crazy place, isn't it? Uh, we see that we're living in the age of deception. And uh, there's just so much misinformation and disinformation and everything out there. Uh, we need to understand the thought processes of uh, those people that are in charge in this world to understand why it is that they push certain agendas and do certain things. And uh, by and large, a lot of that falls back on the occult as much as people don't want to look down that avenue of research or, or believe that. Everything I've ever researched in any type of uh, conspiracy theory type field always invariably leads to the occult. And that's, uh, you know, the bottom line. Those are the people that run this place. I like to refer to the people at the very tippy top of the power structure as the dark occultists that run this world, uh, because that's essentially what they are. They're occultists. They use different occult philosophies and ideas uh, to steer certain agendas and do certain things in this world. And they understand uh, some precepts of natural energies and natural systems uh, that they don't let on to the public that they know about or, you know, don't want the public to understand how these things truly operate. So they feed us false science and, you know, false uh, narratives of things to keep us ignorant of those facts because they do have a better understanding of how this place truly operates than the average person. And they keep this information a secret that they only keep among themselves uh, to people within, uh, you know, the, the power structure itself. Uh, so, you know, that being the case, uh, this has been going on from time immemorial, and it's the same small group of quote-unquote elites that have been running the show since antiquity. Uh, and they've done this through the advent of what started out being called a secret priestcraft uh, that has now kind of transformed itself in the modern world. And now these are your modern-day technocrats. Uh, you know, by and large, that's what we see going on in the world today. Uh, but make no mistake about it, above the technocrats, there is this group of dark occultists that uh, set the agendas in motion and decide uh, what kinds of policies to implement in the world. And they use this technocratic group uh, beneath them that it's kind of like the uh, middle level management, so to say, uh, to put these agendas forward because they, they see the combination of the use of our technologies we have today. Uh, combined with the ancient metaphysical concepts that they know about, they see this as being the culmination of their quote-unquote great work. 
Uh, this is what they're they're looking for, and they're pushing the whole uh, transhumanist agenda with all of this. And this is the culmination of ancient occult thought, right? Uh, many people don't understand that, and I'm sure we'll draw the lines of intent and make the connections here as we get through the conversation. But uh, invariably, any of these conspiracy-type topics that you research, you will always find uh, one of two things, and you'll find both. Uh, if you go as far back in history as you could go and look to the roots of these things, you'll always find the occult teachings and uh, what was called the ancient mystery schools. That's one end. That's the beginning points of all of this. And at the other end, if you look toward the future in researching this, you will always find transhumanism and the transhumanist singularity. That's what this is about. This is the culmination of all these things. And any and all of these conspiracy topics that people look at, uh, whether it be, you know, the UFO phenomena, um, you know, uh, all the other ones that there are, any of these conspiracy, all the political intrigue, all the corruption in government, all of these various things. When you uh, delve down that rabbit hole, you will always come to those two ends. Uh, so I like to tell people that the transhumanist uh, singularity, this is the big granddaddy of all conspiracy, right? This is the big one. This is exactly what's going on in this world today. And this is what you'll find down every trail. Uh, so when, when you get down into researching these topics, that's largely what you'll find. So this is what's going on in the world today. Uh, and this isn't just conspiracy theory or conjecture. Uh, that's, that's the whole point here. Uh, when you actually start looking at the source materials of this stuff, you find that there's a very real connection to all of it. And it's, it's a very real agenda that's being promoted by uh, a select few people at the top of the power structure. Uh, so that's the bottom line here. So even though a lot of this stuff sounds like wild conspiracy theory and sounds like, uh, you know, uh, a whole lot of nonsense, it's not. There's actual uh, white papers and uh, policy-making think tank documents out there uh, that point in these directions. And they, they also acknowledge the uh, occult aspects of this, too, in many of their writings. And that's something people are largely unaware of because you have to really dig for a lot of this stuff. And it wasn't until the advent of the Internet that uh, much of this research and this information was available uh, for people to really look at. So it's only been, what, maybe... 15 years tops that a lot of this stuff has started actually coming to the light of day, uh, which is reflective of the time we're living in. It's a switchover point. It's a, it's a very important time in history. It's the time of revelation, right? It's the time when all of these things that have been going on in the shadows, in secret, uh, that have been hidden are coming to the light of day and being seen for what they are. Uh, so it makes for an interesting time to be alive, for sure. Uh, but that, that's the crux of the things I talk about, basically. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we could explore other uh, specific avenues of thought with this, too, if you had some specific questions for me. Absolutely. Uh, just want to let you kind of run through it. And just to kind of preface for the audience who may or may not know you, um, you also are an author. You've written books um, in regards to these conversations, these topics. So if, if you may, before we really dive in, just kind of plug a little bit of your books and uh, your most recent one, just so that way people know that this isn't you just doing a quick word search and then being like, well, I made my decision. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. I always appreciate that. Uh, my yeah. first book is called The Alchemical Tech Revolution. Uh, that's available pretty much anywhere. 
Uh, I also have three other books. My second book was called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. And uh, that one actually is uh, a very eye-opening book uh, for anybody who's never looked at that avenue of thought. Uh, I, my third book was called Cybernetic Messiah, Building the Antichrist System. Uh, and that one uh, I published in 2020. Uh, and my latest book is called The Demic of Pan, Breaking the Natural Order. Uh, that one I just released at the end of February of this year. Uh, and, and this one is talking about uh, many of the things that we've seen going on in the world for the past two years and what's the reasoning behind it. And it also talks about the importance of mythology and archetype in the things that they do and how they design different things. Uh, and if anybody out there is not familiar with my work, uh, I have a channel on Rockfin, that's R-O-K-F-I-N.com backslash Wayne McCroy called Alchemical Tech Revolution. I also have a YouTube channel of the same name. And uh, I have the podcast, Alchemical Tech Revolution, available through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I also work very closely uh, with uh, some other researchers, uh, my good friend Jason Lingren over at Secrets of Saturn, uh, and also Crow 777 Radio, if people are familiar with that podcast as well. Uh, I do a lot of uh, uh, work with those guys as well. And we explore a lot of these avenues of thought. So uh, all of those places are really good repositories for some good information on this if people are looking. So, you know, we break down the ideas, we show, you know, what's nonsensical and what's, you know, uh, has some legs to it uh, in a lot of these different ideologies. And we, we show the connections there. Uh, so, you know, my latest book really brought to uh, the limelight here the importance of mythological archetypes and how they leverage them in different ways that there's real natural energies inherent in in the natural world here that they leverage upon in order to uh, try to instill new ideas and thought forms into people's heads uh, to give people this new type of uh, thing to latch on to a new mythology for our modern sensibilities uh, and that's what they've crafted this past two years it, they've made a new mythology for people to believe in and to act upon. Uh, and that's the importance of this because it's a, a very subjective thing, but it's also something that hits upon something primal in people. It hits upon the unconscious mind. And Carl Jung talked about all of these ideas as well. So it's an archetypal thing that could affect your conscious behavior, uh, but you don't realize it's going on. And that, that's the thing because it, it hits you at an unconscious or subconscious level. Uh, so, that being the case, it, it touches upon something primal in all human beings, and uh, it could cause changes in behavior. And that's largely what's been done here, what's been engineered these past two years uh, by reflecting these different mythological archetypes in various ways to craft a new mythology for our modern sensibilities and get people to buy into that and to uh, kind of deify the new god of this era, which they call, quote unquote, science. Uh, so that's what's been done and it's been time, you know, planned for a very long time and it's been a long time coming, but the past two years has been the rollout phase of all the planning that they've done. And I, I like to also in the book, I, I show all the different facets of planning that has gone into this thing that's happened the past two years. Uh, there's so much, so much out there that shows the idea that, uh, this was all something that was planned long before the rollout of it. Uh, they've had all these plans and stuff in place, ready to go, 
when they were ready to institute the plan. So that's exactly what's gone on here. Uh, they've taken many decades of putting together these different facets of the plan, and they've rolled it out in two years, and they got the results that they wanted, largely. But uh, we also touch upon the idea there that uh, at some point, they decided to push too hard, too fast, and now they're starting to lose ground. And that's an important concept. So there's still hope for the future here, right? Because they they have uh, a future in mind for people that's more of a dystopian type future than a utopian type future. Uh, So even though they try to paint it with the brush of it's all going to be good for everybody, right? We all know better, don't we, at this point? Uh, We we know better. It's, It's not intended for everyone. It's only to benefit those select few people at the top of the power structure. And we could recognize this with the things they've done, but, uh, you know, we could get a little more into the specifics of what exactly has been done, like what, what they've done with the mythological archetype and what they're trying to accomplish through this, uh, if you wanted to go down that road. Well, and that's it. So just to kind of give you a little, uh, quick backstory. So my, my background is, uh, in the fitness world as well as film and television. So I was, uh, well, I do screenwriting, write a lot of stories. So this notion and understanding uh, archetypes and storytelling and looking at this, the this basically this arc of characters, story, as well as just, uh, you know, the, the scenes and everything else, you realize that all of this is based off of Greek, you know, old ancient mythology, which is all coming back to the sky clock, which you, Crow, and Jason talk about all the time, and understanding that there is something at that level that's far greater than uh, what we can comprehend in this mindset. Ultimately, that every story is you as the individual are in the story. And it's getting to the point that you're in a story. You're in your story, the story for you, capital T. So when you, uh, can think of it that way and knowing that, as you said earlier, all that entertainment, all of that to enter and to grab and to hold the mind is taking you away away from your story. They're trying to, you know, come in and rearrange your concept of basically who you are. And that's what you guys dive into so well. So I just want to give you a little backstory. That's where I'm coming from. And uh, as well from my training side of it and personal training, how many people uh, aren't connected to self with a capital S. They don't understand this vessel. They don't understand their being. Um, and what you, I know you, Crow and Jason, and specifically uh, Crow is always talking about with the law series, and a lot of my audience knows who Crow is as well. Um, so many people don't know who they are in the law sense, but I also know this firsthand. People are so disassociated and disconnected from their body just in movement and just trying to you know, move through life. And that for me is why what you guys talk about resonates so much and makes me go, this is worth having more of these conversations because your conversation with those guys makes, has light bulbs going off in my head about things training related, personal training. So it's like, well, you know, people are like, wait, how is this related over here to personal training? Um, And there's actually quite a few things and um, it just gets more into the esoteric. And that's something you guys talk about, the mythology, the, the, the mythology, the archetypes, like you said, um, which we're going to explore now. So I just want to give you that background. So to kind of let you know, that's where my head is and that's why I'm excited to chat about it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to let you kind of go with it. So maybe just starting off, like you said that they have this, this, these, these old 
from uh, antiquity, this, uh, this thought process about the mythology, these archetypes. If you maybe want to uh, elaborate and explore that more in what you're talking about, that might be a good place to, to tee this off. All right. Well, first, to further expand upon what you were just saying there uh, as to uh, individual effects, right? Uh, each of us as an individual is affected by uh, the, these, you know, these entertainment properties and stuff that we take in. Uh, entertainment, it's uh, enter to go in, tame to grab hold, meant the mind, to go in and grab hold of the mind. So uh, for people to understand better, that's what entertainment's all about. Uh, so they use this by and large as a platform uh, to influence people's behaviors. Now, uh, as far as what you're saying, as far as uh, how does this big picture and all of this stuff affect us on an individual level, I'll point to something uh, that uh, I, I actually uh, put an excerpt from in my book, in the beginning of my book, to kind of uh, set up the framework for people to understand better here. And this is from a document. It's actually a book written. It was a Stanford Institute study, and it's called The Changing Images of Man. Uh, so I put in there an excerpt from that book in my own because it's important to understand this idea. Uh, so there were many people involved in this, this Stanford Institute study, The Changing Images of Man. And what it talks about is exactly what you're saying here the image of man, right? How does man perceive himself in this place, his role in this world, who he is, uh, what he is, what the, the larger world around him is? Uh, they're trying to influence how man perceives the world around him and himself. Uh, that's what they're doing with this concept of the changing images of man. And in this book, they, they recognize that fact, that uh, there are some things that affect people's behaviors and affect people uh, on a subconscious level that can't be easily quantified. So these are more subjective ideas. And sometimes in order to garner better control over the people, it's necessary to invoke what they call these archetypes, right? Or these ideas, these mythologies. So they talk about using these subjective ideas like mythology, religion, uh, and the, these various facets to uh, kind of steer people's behavioral patterns into certain ways. Uh, so they acknowledge the use of mythology in this way uh, in that book. So this is not just me saying that uh, people in positions of power in these think tank groups, that they use mythology to steer behaviors. They do so, and they readily admit it in that book. And that's why I, I thought it was important to put that excerpt in the front of my book so people can understand uh, this is exactly what's been done here, especially the past two years. And when uh, was that written? Been, sorry. Wait, sorry, when was that written? The, the Changing Images of Man. Mm-hmm. I think that was written and published in 1980, if I want to say. Okay. Uh, it was a Stanford Institute study. It happened uh, over a couple of years, I think, during the course of the late 1970s. And I think it was published in 1980, if I remember correctly. Okay. So uh, it's, it's an older book, but they do acknowledge that they try to use some of these ideas like allegory and mythology uh, to uh, change man's image of himself and the world around him. Uh, and they, they acknowledge the importance of this image that man has of himself and of the world around him. And they, they show uh, through different uh, aspects of history how mankind's thoughts on who he is and what his place in the universe is have changed uh, through the use of these mythological ideas. Uh, so that's the important thing to understand here. And a lot of this relates back, once again, like you were talking about earlier, to the sky clock. We call it the sky clock because... Uh, well, there's no easy way to really frame the, the reference of it 
without losing somebody in the mix, right? Because people's minds will shut down if you say astrology, right? And then there's others whose minds will shut down if you say astronomy. So Mm -hmm. uh, Crow came up with the idea of let's rename this thing. We'll call it the Sky Clock and we'll, uh, you know, talk about it in that way. That way uh, the language isn't lost on everybody and everybody could follow along. Well, essentially, here's the important part about the Sky Clock, okay? There are energetic influences within the natural world uh, that are derivative from the Sky Clock, from the positions of the various stars and planets and things like that that we see, the luminaries, Uh, that have influence here on Earth. These energies are known and understood by many of these dark occultists that run this place. Uh, So that being the case, they know when to do certain activities to get the maximum benefit out of them for themselves. Uh, So they they leverage off the sky clock in a lot of this stuff uh, with the timing of things. Uh, So that being the case, it's a natural energetic influence that occurs in, in our reality here that they've recognized from these old ancient mystery schools. They've recognized this and they've kind of personified it in the form of mythological gods, right? So this is the archetype they see. So they see these natural energies in play in the world. So they personify it in a story that they call a mythology. And uh, it's, it's kind of an allegory per se for something else. So when you're looking back at these ancient cultures and they, you know, they, they claim they're worshiping Zeus and all of this stuff, I think that's a misnomer, right? Ancient man was not as stupid as people would like to uh, paint him as. I think ancient man knew a whole lot more about how this place works than we do today. Uh, We've been largely led down the materialist paradigm here. We've been handed what they call quote-unquote science. This is all things that could be objectively measured, right? That's what it's all about for these people. It's about control. To better control something, you need to be able to measure it or quantify it in some way. And many of these mythological ideas are not quantifiable in the same way. So what they've done is they've come up with a subjective measurement system for these things. And they've been able to look back through history and see how many of these ideas uh, that could uh, influence the mind of people could be subjectively changed and altered. And they've noticed these changes and recorded these changes uh, through various of the, you know, historical uh, uh, types of white papers and things like that that they do. So they've recorded how many of these thought forms could influence people to behave in different ways. And they've taken these ideas and brought them forward. So they give people a story, a narrative. See, that's the important thing. Uh, Because they could use this narrative to influence people's behaviors in certain ways. Uh, And that's why we have the entertainment properties that we do today. Uh, It's all about influencing behavior through narrative. Uh, Because even though this is not really a quantifiable, measurable, scientific type thing, they could see real world effects by influencing people in this way. Uh, That's why they say things like mythology and archetype are very important uh, in influencing people's behavior. So that's exactly what they've done here. They've used a lot of these same archetypes from the stories of mythology in the modern world here to influence the way people think. And people are largely unaware of it because we don't get that classical training or that classical education uh, like was once common around here. Uh, We're not taught about mythology. We're not taught uh, how to, you know, speak ancient Greek. Uh, we're not taught Latin anymore. I mean, that's that's a big one uh, that was, you know, it's one that's exiting the school system uh, very much so. Uh, so we're not taught these classical ways to think. We're not t- taught the classical 
you know, quadrivium or trivium, these, these kinds of things, how to think, right? These things were teaching you how to think, not what to think or how to regurgitate uh, information. That's largely what we're taught now. Uh, so right. the critical well, thinking it, skills have been under attack for a long time. Uh, go ahead. We're going to say something. Well, I just wanted to chime in real quickly on this point you're making and uh, that, you know, you're right. You're not, we're not taught it in the sense of, uh, you know, listen, let's sit down. I'm going to guide you through this very intellectual conversation of self and who you are. It's never taught that way. Now, like you said, it is still put out there in the sense of storytelling. And as we talked earlier about me writing a script about where all these superhero movies is going, look at this this man or this young woman who steps into their power, their God-given power, this, this ability to know that they're more than what they were told. And people are constantly at the subconscious or at like a much deeper level going, I feel like that. And in reality, what we're saying here in many ways is like, that's part of that, you know, old understanding of this world and who we are that is being expressed, but they're telling you, well, it's just a story. We're just giving you a story. Go back to the learning that we've been teaching you in the school system and in, you know, in our indoctrination, because that's what's real. And what Wayne is saying here today is that they very much believe the stories they're telling in these movies or these shows or in their books. And they're going, cause they, no, to your point, like you said, about connecting with the sky clock and connecting with these energetic uh, bodies that are here on this planet. Um, so I just wanted to kind of put that reference. That's why so many people uh, from a creative standpoint and a, a writer's standpoint, why so many people embody these characters? They become so attached because, yeah, there's like the, the entertainment, the programming aspect, but at a more subconscious level, a lot of people go, why can't that be me? I want that to be me. And if anyone's like, oh, calm down, watch any superhero movie and the person comes out, they do their whole workout, they look great, and then they post their, their workout videos. And people just, again, this is where it's the materialism, just want to look like that guy or that girl. They want to literally transform back to, trans, I mean, it's kind of like transhumanism, but not really, but they want to transform into that physically. What they're missing is that key component of the mindset, the, the spiritual set, all of those pieces that go with the physical. Because as we know, we're more than just the physical. We're, you know, the mind, body, spirit. We're, you know, we have this intellectual, like you said, the trivium, the quadrivium, all these different pieces that we aren't taught, but they're literally continually put into our face. They're dangled in front of us. And I know I'm jumping around here, but you, in your last conversation with uh, Crow and Jason, we're talking about, Lumeria and Atlantis and all these things. And I, you got me going because I was like, dude, I'm currently, well, it's already done now, but I've written a show, a TV show, pilot, that's got loads of gravy, good moral, like good storytelling, but all this stuff is just showing this stuff and going, no, this is real. Like you go follow this. This is as crazy as this may seem. It's worth looking into. It's worth going, no, that is you. Um, and one of the things we talk about is storytelling with these ancient Lumeria and Atlantis and how things get brought back. So I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but a lot of what you're saying is things that are right up my alley right now. And uh, I just wanted to kind of get that out there. So uh, in regards to uh, movies today, stepping into it, they are putting it out there, but they're then also telling you, um, 
don't just disregard that part. It's just a story. Right. Right. No, it's not a sidetrack at all. It's actually very important what you said, because this is actually a psychological process called narrative transportation that they take advantage of through the writing. This puts people in the position of the uh, protagonist of the story. Uh, they, they could relate on a like an unconscious level with that mm. character. And this is hitting upon the concept of what's called the archetype. And Carl Jung talked about this. Uh, very much so. And there's very many archetypes, although uh, Jung only explored, I think, four major archetypes and 12 sub-archetypes. There's so many that are recognized. And and the idea of the archetype uh, actually predates Carl Jung by thousands of years. And that's what people don't understand. Uh, he just brought uh, the term to the, the common vernacular uh, in the modern era. This was something that was known from time immemorial by the uh, secret priestcraft of the mystery schools. They knew how to use this idea of narrative transportation and invoking these archetypal ideas in people, uh, whereas they can't see them. So you put yourself in the story, you identify with the character. You're like, okay, I understand that. I want to be like that character. There's something primal that hits people in that mm -hmm. way. Uh, so that's kind of what the archetype is. This is something that exists in human, uh, the human mind uh, that's not really largely explainable by science, but they do use different terms to try to quantify it because it's all about trying to quantify things for these people in control. Because if they could quantify it, then they could have control of it, right? If they could measure it, if they could quantify it, then they could control it. So that's what they try to do. And they, they sometimes have a difficult time with some of these more subjective ideas, but they understand that they are there and they have a real power to them, that there is this inherent influence there. Uh, so they do attempt to do so. So uh, by simply identifying what this is and calling it an archetype, that's one way they've been able to quantify it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's largely what's done. So they use these archetypes to steer people's behavior. Now, the idea of the archetype uh, in scientific circles, they would now call this genetic memory or epigenetic memory, right? Because it hits on something primal that's already pre-programmed into your unconscious mind, that you, you don't realize on a conscious level, but it's definitely there. You recognize certain dangers. You recognize certain symbols on a primal level, and you will react subconsciously to them, and that could change your conscious behavior. Uh, so these people that run this place, they understand that very well, and they try to leverage these things by uh, quantifying it as a type of archetype or mythology and using that story and crafting it into a new kind of variation of it uh, to affect people's behaviors. So that's largely what's been done here. And they use the storytelling to do that. Narrative transportation, like I said, it's a, a very important uh, principle here uh, with that kind of thing. So uh, essentially, that's what's being done. So uh, in scientific terms, it's called epigenetic yeah. memory or genetic memory. Uh, occultists would refer to it as the Akashic record in many regards. Uh, sometimes in shamanism, it's called ancestral memory. Uh, it's all the same idea. It's the archetype, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. the archetype is there. This is something that's very real. It's an energetic natural principle uh, that can be leveraged upon if you know how to do it. And they've right. figured out ways to do it by using storytelling. Uh, so that's largely what's been done. And that's why mythology and uh, these different ideas are so important because it hits upon that archetypal trope in human consciousness uh, that can be steered and maneuvered in certain ways. And that's how they, they change public opinion on things in many right. ways. Uh, so okay. it's, it's important to understand there's a different reason for the entertainment out there than what people largely accept. 
They think it's just something to do. It's for fun. It's for, uh, you know, letting off steam that you're given all this stuff, right? And uh, there's more to it. It's all about social engineering at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Now, is that to say you can't enjoy entertainment anymore? No, not at all. I mean, there's important uh, values that can be taught in this same way and have been taught through all time and culture. Uh, a, a good example to tell people that many people in the modern era would be familiar with is uh, let's look at the story of Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy. Well, this hit upon all of the different uh, facets of uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey concept in the original Star Wars film. Uh, so this is a modern mythology for the people. And look how it's taken off as a cultural phenomenon. Uh, there are actually people that identify their religious uh, uh, connotation as being a Jedi, right? Uh, so, I mean, this shows you just how much influence mm -hmm. uh, this type of a thing could have because it hit on all these mythological archetypes and it was done well. It was well written and it really influenced the human psyche in the modern era in a very big way. Uh, so Star Wars is a perfect example of that. So when you're thinking back of ancient Greek mythology and stuff like that, understand that, uh, you know, Star Wars is a more modernized version of that same trope. Uh, so we see, yeah, and we see how it's influenced the behavior in the world right now and, you know, how it's uh, become a cultural phenomenon. So this yeah. is the kind of thing that goes on and they, they, they largely understand this. Uh, and sometimes they're, they're more subtle in how they do things. Uh, and sometimes they're just very blatant in how they do things. And it's all yeah. uh, a matter of, you know, if you understand what they're doing, you understand the concept, then you can see it more. Uh, there, there's no uh, there's no unseeing it once you've seen it. Let's put it that way. Once you're awake and aware of this stuff, you can't unsee it. You can't go back to being asleep anymore. Uh, so right. th this is this is one of the. One of the strange aspects of it, right? So it's like yeah. you, you can still watch things and enjoy entertainment properties, but you're always sitting there. Aha, I see that. I see what you're doing there, you know, as far as, uh, mm -hmm. you know, picking out the social engineering that's put into things. Uh, so it, it, it really becomes uh, kind of a, uh, a place where you need to try to balance your thought processes on these things because you don't want to uh, necessarily uh, give in to the social engineering, so to say. But at the same token, you still want to have enjoyment in life, right? So it, it, it's that balance there. But once you recognize these things and you see them everywhere, they don't affect you as much. I mean, there's there's right. something about that idea. That's why it's important to let people know that this stuff goes on so that maybe next time they see some story out there, they'll recognize the mythological archetype that's being invoked here and not be affected by it as much. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's the thing because it affects you on an unconscious level, and then it manifests subconsciously to affect your conscious behavior. It's a stepping up process. Thanks for checking out our free preview of the podcast. If you want to listen to the rest of this episode and many others like it, become a member at thepatlife.org.